Welcome to Maximize Your Influence, your resource for the top persuasion, influence, and negotiation techniques that will help you maximize your success in life and business. And now, here are your hosts, Kurt Mortensen and Steve Olson. Hello, Power Persuaders. Kurt Mortensen here. This is Maximize Your Influence podcast number 182. And we're going to finish up what we started last week about making that perfect persuasive presentation. So I hope everyone's doing well. Kind of a cold, rainy, gloomy day for me. And it seems like I've been inside all week. I think I have. I've been doing webinars. I don't know what the deal is. I clocked in 16 hours of webinars this week. So I probably need to get out and get some fresh air. So let's kick things off with our geeky article of the week and our new fresh sound. Tell me if you like it. The article this week comes from DecisionSkills.com and Richard Finstra. He reminded me of a study that was done, I think, way back in 1968 by Robert Zajonk. It was in the Journal of Personality and Social Psychology. And basically found some interesting things about exposure and increasing your likability. So what he did, he exposed people to a series of Chinese characters, right? They didn't speak Chinese. And he would either show them one time or up to 25 times and expose people to these characters. (laughs) i got to be careful here. I keep using the words exposed. It doesn't sound quite right, but it's the right word, I promise. He's not exposing himself. He's exposing people to other things. Got to clarify that. And the one they liked the most was the one they saw the most. So what does this mean to you? Well, the more they hear your name, they're probably going to like you better. The more they see you, they're going to like you better. The more they get familiar and comfortable with you, they're going to like you better. Now, a word of warning, if they already don't like you, it has the opposite effect. But if people are getting to know you, and the more exposure they have to you and your name, you're more likable. What an easy persuasion tool to learn. And they've done hundreds of studies on this. It could be anywhere from a taste to a smell to you. They even did study with political signs. Local elections, the one you see the most is the one you usually vote for. Political parties aside, of course, but exposure and likability are connected. So in this article, Richard gives us a few ways to use this. Just getting that exposure. Posting on social media could increase your exposure. You make it a few comments or, or even liking it can benefit. Hey, I'll even like you more. Go to iTunes and like the podcast. Share it. That would be a great thing to do. You can leverage birthdays and holidays to stay in touch to make sure that your name or face is always getting exposed. If you want to get promoted up, participate in activities where all these people will be around where they can see you, or even join a committee that has the right people on it. You know, when I studied advertising, this is all called reach and frequency. You don't want people just to see your product or service once. It needs to get in front of them. And they need to be able to see it. They become more and more comfortable with it, more and more familiar with it, and they will like it better. And, of course, always work on that first impression because this could go either way. If that first impression is negative, then they're going to look for everything that's negative, and you want to stay on the positive side. So an interesting article, an easy way to increase your likability known as the exposure effect. So if you want to know more about connecting with people, building rapport, go to podcast 33. Remember, You could get that at InfluenceUniversity.com. There's a free membership part of that that has all the old podcasts. Plus, there's a subscription side that gives you the 52-week intense PhD in persuasion. 
go check that out at influenceuniversity.com. So last podcast, we talked about that perfect persuasive presentation. And I just want to reiterate how important this is. When I was doing research for laws of charisma, it's critical that you have the ability to present yourself. In fact, here are a few of the studies. Your verbal abilities in direct correlation with your capacity to influence others. Here's another one, the top predictor of professional success and upward mobility is how much you enjoy and how good you are at public speaking. And a couple more really interesting, the ability to give presentation was ranked as the most critical skill needed to move up in today's business environment. And 75% of executives felt that presentation skills were three times more important than writing skills. But you probably already knew that. So last time I gave you a structure and I kind of want to fill in some blanks here this week. And then if we have time, we're going to get into some listener email. So I gave you five steps last week. Create interest. State the problem. Offer evidence. Give them a solution. And then the call to action. Now remember the safety tip. You create the call to action first, deliver it last, but your whole presentation should be pointing to that call to action. That's the most important, exciting thing for you. They should not be surprised what you're asking them to do. Now this structure works really well in a group presentation. Now the challenge with a group presentation is that you have to shoot down the middle. You have different styles and different personalities, and if you just present how you like to be presented, you're going to ignore the other people in the audience. I see this in seminars. Some people love the science and statistics, but not the group exercises, and vice versa. They might love the group exercises, but not the science, and so you have to shoot down the middle. So I want to give you a, a formula to do that so you resonate with everybody in that audience. I call it TESS, T-E-S-S. Stands for testimonial, example, statistic, and story. Every presentation you give should include all these so you resonate with everyone. Now a testimonial is you're borrowing credibility from an expert, someone that's endorsing you or the product or the service or the study or you want to happen, a testimonial. It could be your personal one if you're the expert or usually the best thing is to borrow it from somebody else. There's something about examples, analogies, similes that resonate with people. In fact, charismatic people are more likely to use metaphors and analogies and similes than other people. It works, really resonates, it simplifies things. So you need to make sure you have some type of example. Statistic. All right, we know statistics. Do we believe them? Well, it's up to you. But do make sure that they're verifiable and believable. Always tell the truth, but the truth isn't always believable. So use them sparingly, but statistics are very powerful. And the last one I talk about time and time, stories. Using stories. Stories persuade without detection. So I'm going to give you an example how well this works. All right, and then I'm going to give you some worldwide averages. So I'm going to try to influence you on something. Now, first of all, never, ever, ever say that because that causes instant resistance. Now, since this is an influence podcast, I'm going to try to influence you on something you probably should be doing if you aren't. And I want you to choose the one thing that resonates with you the most. Is it the testimonial? Is it the example? Is it the statistic? Is it the story? I'm going to use one of each. All right? See how this works. Let's talk about goal setting. And you can moan if you want. People tend to moan and cringe when they hear about goals, probably because maybe they tried it and it didn't work. Maybe they hear about it all the time. I mean, every book on success you ever read is going to talk about goals because it is a big indicator of success. But a lot of people just aren't doing them the way they should. In fact, one of my early mentors, Brian Tracy, he is the national authority on success. He's written probably over 50 books on success. And he says, when you put your goals in writing, it has to be written down or it doesn't count. 
When you put your goals in writing, it triples your commitment level, increases your success, and even increases your happiness. Because think about the happiest times in your life you were pursuing a worthwhile, exciting goal. See, the challenge is most people have never been taught how to do it. For example, if I want to learn how to go snow skiing, I'd drive up to the ski resort, rent some skis, get my ski pass, and they'd say, hey, whoa, whoa, don't you need lessons? You're like, I'll figure it out on my own. How hard can it be? And you get on the chairlift, and you're going up, not sure where to get off. A black diamond looks nice, so you get off on the black diamond, the, the expert run, and you start skiing without lessons. What's going to happen? You're probably going to hit a tree, break your leg, and say, well, this is a terrible sport. I'm never going to do it again. And that's what most people have done with goals. Even the studies show that makes the biggest difference. In fact, they went to a group of graduating seniors from college, and they interviewed them and found out about 3% had their goals in writing. 3%. And they followed them for the next 20 years. And after 20 years, that 3% was earning 10 times more than the other 97%. I give you study after study after study. It works. It triggers success. So let me give you the formula, the right way to do this. There's four parts here. The first is the what. And that's what most people do. Writing it down, the what. What is it that you want to accomplish? The second is the when. you got to have a deadline, right? When's the date? When's the deadline? The third is the how. Who's your game plan? Who are you going to coach with? Who are you going to mentor with? What seminars are you going to go to? And the fourth and most important one is the why. So we have the what, when, how, and why. And it's the why that motivates us, that drives us. In fact, I've done some work with a gentleman named Dan Jansen. He's an Olympian, a speed skater, does the oval track, kind of like Apollo Ono. He was the uh, commentator last time for this event. Let me back up and tell you his story because it's amazing. So when he was young, he held the world record in this event, right? Remember the oval track? And he was going to his first Olympics. And he was the one going to win it all and didn't place. So he trained for another four years, went back, and got cut off, slipped and fell, disqualified. Trained for another four years. Sister was diagnosed with cancer. His mind wasn't in it, and it didn't place. Trained for another four years. Now, hopefully you're doing the math here. That's 16 years. And this was his last Olympics. He was getting old. Everyone's like, oh, don't worry about it. You held the world record. He's like, no, I, my goal is a gold medal. So he went to the best event, qualified for the medal round, got cut off again, slipped and fell, no medal. But this year he also qualified for the longer race. He didn't have any medals, wasn't his best, barely qualified for the medal round. And it was one of those incredible moments in Olympic history where he broke the Olympic record, won the gold medal, did a victory lap with his newborn daughter. Everyone's crying. He finally did this after 16 years. And we sat down with him. We said, Dan, how did you stick to a goal for 16 years? Most people can't get out of bed in the morning, 16 years. He says, you know, when I was younger, I had a wise coach, sit me down and made me list all the reasons why I wanted that gold medal for me, for my family, and financially. And I'd practice six hours a day, six days a week. And every day I felt like going home, giving up. I was cold, I was hungry, I was tired. But when I felt that, I'd pull that list of reasons for my speed suit and I'd find something that would get me back in the game. Because people don't fail because of lack of goals, they fail because of lack of reasons behind those goals, the why. And you implement this, you put these four parts into practice, you'll be happier, you'll accomplish more, and you'll have more success. All right, time out. Hopefully you caught what I was doing there. Now I used a testimonial, an example, a statistic, and a story. Now let me remind you what those are. Choose the one that resonated with you the most. The testimonial was Brian Tracy. He was the expert I borrowed credibility from about tripling your commitment, having more success, making more money. The example was 
learning how to ski without taking lessons. The statistic was a college study, and the story was Dan Jansen. I finished up with that. Now, which one resonated with you the most? Now, I'd ask you to take a vote, but this is a podcast, so I'm just going to give you some national averages here. And these numbers vary by group, but this is what always happens. Usually, on average, the testimonial will resonate with 12% of your audience, the examples with 23% of your audience, and the statistics with 18% of your audience, and the stories with about 47% of your audience. Stories will always be around 50-60%. That's the majority of your audience. That's the most important piece. But don't neglect the other half of your audience. Use the testimonials. Use those examples. Use those statistics, and you'll resonate with the whole group. It's amazing. This works every time. This is proven science. Use it. Run with it. Create your presentation with the five steps we talked about last time, and then incorporate tests. I don't care where you put them within your presentation, but make sure they're in there so you resonate with everybody in that audience. Hope that was helpful. Take that one to the bank. Let's shift gears a little bit and do some podcast listener email. And this was from Roberto. All right. He says, Kurt, I know you've heard this before, but it seems like it's getting worse. How do you get people to return your voicemails? <laughs> that is getting worse. And I know we've talked about it before on the show, but let's give you some pointers and some tips here and help out. But first of all, let's test the sound for reader email. Let me know what you think. You can always give me your feedback at Kurt at MaximizeYourInfluence.com. All right, Roberto, let's back up. It is getting harder and harder to get people to return voicemail, all right? So the first thing you ask yourself, if you ever studied marketing, there's the marketing mix, which means you're using different mediums. So if you're trying voicemail, try email, try text, try anything different, try a letter. So mix it up a little bit, because I know there are people that don't even listen to their voicemail anymore. And you have to back up, too, and, and listen to the complaints people have. The first complaint is, sounds like you've left it thousands of times. Uh, you have. So remember, this is the first time they've heard it. And you've got to repeat the number. That's the other complaint. Can't hear the number going too fast. So think about this. Think about customizing your voicemail. You could listen to their message and kind of peg their personality. It's Bob, you know the drill. Is different than, hey, it's Sally, and it's music in the background. I'm return your call within 24 hours, right? Those are different voicemails. So adapt and customize See what you can do to resonate with them more. And again, don't sound robotic. I know you've left it thousands of times. That's the other issue. Again, that's another complaint we've talked about. Pegging their personality. Make sure you have a reason to call every time you're leaving something a little bit different in the voicemail, something they need to hear. Because most people, most people, like your persistence. As long as there's a need and the want, and they've talked to you, they're busy, and so it's a good reminder for them. Or try the famous persuasion tool called the Zagarnik Effect leaving something unfinished. The studies show that when you leave something unfinished, the brain remembers it more. That doesn't guarantee they're going to call you back, but the brain does remember it more. For example, you're watching the news, going to turn it off for dinner, but the news says, you know, your drinking water's probably killing you. You might stick around. doesn't guarantee, but you want to know the answer. That's unfinished. Or watching a movie on network TV, the knife comes up, but commercial, unfinished, <laughs> okay? Weaving a story throughout a presentation is part of the Zagarnik effect. And so what that means is if you could leave something unfinished, they're more likely to call you back. Now, don't do the unethical telemarket approach where they, they stop mid-sentence and hang up like it was disconnected and they want you to call back <laughs> to find out what's going on. I'm not talking about that, although it's been proven to be very effective. 
Just say, hey, the three things we talked about, I found the two. Give me a call. That solution you're working for, I finally found it. Man, I'm excited. Give me a call. Instead of leaving the solution on there. So those are some things to think about. And again, try different types of messaging to get through. And I, I'm with you. It is worse than ever before. But it's always good to add a few more layers of influence and persuasion when you're doing this to get people to call you back. And then the one we talked about today, using their name, can increase that connection and that likability. Again, when you use someone's name, it triggers a pleasure center in their brain when they're doing MRIs and they like you more. Now, you don't want to be the cheesy telemarketer using it every other sentence, but sincerely use their name can be another one to get that connection and to be familiar. So use their name first, not your name first. Eventually, you can tell them your name towards the end or after you've used their names, but that is another thing that will grab their attention. So hopefully the information today was helpful to you. Find us on Instagram at Max Influence. We're also on Facebook and all the fun social media types. Let everyone know, but I know a lot of you aren't letting people know because you don't want other people to have these tools. Don't keep all the tools for yourself. Share them with everyone else. Go out there. Hope you're getting your goals for this year and learning these persuasion techniques that will make a big difference. And go out and persuade with power.